it was one of those things where the communication wasn't there. And mm -hmm. then I got blamed for having my prop person make it the wrong way, even though mm -hmm. the script said it this way. Yeah. I took it so personally. I've never been angry on set except this one time. And I put my hand through a panel that I had made yeah. just out of sheer, like I had no more emotional energy and it just needed to go somewhere. And then I just burst into tears. That was probably the lowest I've ever been on set. Welcome to The Practical Filmmaker, an educational podcast brought to you by the Filmmaker Institute and Sunscreen Film Festival, where industry professionals talk nuts and bolts and the steps they took to find their success today. Find the full transcripts and more at thepracticalfilmmaker.com. On today's show, production designer Clifton Chandler chats about his processes for working art department for indie films, music videos, and commercials. I'm your host, Tanya Musgrave, and today we get to talk art department. Clifton Whoa. Chandler, production designer, illustrator, and world creator for both indie and commercial projects in television, film, and music videos. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm so stoked. Okay, so first of all, we go back a ways. Yeah. So, I mean, now that I'm trying to think about it, I don't know how, how uh, five? Five uh, years? No, more no, than it's, that. It's more than that. Oh, my stars. It's start. more than that. It's like seven. Yeah. <gasps> You know, they say the people who are friends for seven years. I know. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> TV's exactly. in a pot. Hey. <laughs> yep. Already starting good. Hey. I mean, okay. We got together on one of the projects. I was shooting some production stills and you were doing yeah. an insane job with the props of a friend's proof of concept. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite the project. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was actually technically living in Portland at the time, uh -huh. and the project was in California, but I was mm -hmm. so excited about the project that I actually drove 17 hours. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. To set and slept on a couch for 10 <laughs> days to be a part of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Man, but those are the projects that you absolutely love being a part of. Oh. I mean, like something that you get to be passionate about. I mean, there's almost it's it's unmatchable, you know, being yeah. able to like have your creativity validated in a way where you're just like, oh, I know that I'm creating something good and they appreciate it and they're showcasing it well. And anyway, I, I believe yeah. actually even one of the candles, that candle right there oh, yeah? is actually from that production. <laughs> that was one of the things I kept from the production. <laughs> ah, yes. You better have kept everything because like everything was awesome. Well, thank you. I just love our department, like magic happens there and it's so much fun. How did you get into this? So, yeah, so I actually kind of fell into it by accident. My dad loved old movies. Uh, we watched a lot of Star Trek, a lot of Jim Henson. My mm. favorite movie growing up was Lady Hawk and The Last Unicorn. But <laughs> it was one of those things where like I grew up around watching film, but we were in Bush, Alaska. So a lot of things didn't happen until like 10 years later. So like we didn't yeah. get fads or trends until later on. And yeah. so it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I actually had an opportunity to be on set. And it was a friend and she was doing a music video. And what ended up happening is I was just, I love art. I said, hey, I'd love to help. And I dressed out a cubicle to look like it was lived in. And the director was like, you should be doing this on, you know, on a regular basis. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> 
But when I moved while, down to Portland, while your soul is soaring, of course, yeah, you're saying, no, exactly. I'm good. <laughs> like, oh, I can be Jim Henson someday. Yeah. Um, when I came to Portland, I had an opportunity again to be on a web series. It was for $50 for like 18 days of work and mm-hmm. whatnot. But I fell in love with the process. And from there, I was invited to be on a commercial. And then I got introduced to some more film pa- people. And in about five years, I was working from an art PA person to doing actual production design work. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so now I have like seven features under my belt and nice. probably 12 or so music videos, a smattering of commercials. Ah, that's so cool. Okay. All right. So I, when you when you say seven features, I've only had the privilege of producing one so far. Yeah. And I feel like, of course, you know, you get done with one and then you're actually ready to make a feature. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, now I know what I need. So let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm actually curious, what are some of those takeaways where you're just like, okay, next time this is never happening or next time this is definitely happening? You know, it's funny and this might be different for other people, but I honestly think my takeaways are it doesn't matter how much money you get paid. It doesn't matter how much the budget is. It doesn't even matter how big the crew is. But if you have a director and a producer and a team that doesn't believe in you or doesn't have a good vibe, a good Mm -hmm. connection, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. It's Mm -hmm. not going to come out well. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I look at things, I look for people who have good vibes. Mm -hmm. So if their vibe jives with me, then I'm more willing to do stuff for less yeah. And to really put that 210% in. Yeah. And if yeah. I'm working on a commercial, great, you know, I'll do my 100%. Like, I'm not going to skimp on the actual work. But when when you have a, a very good, tight, like, close team, yeah. that is when magic really happens. Yeah, seriously. You know, it's really hard to get on any set because it's basically a family and I get it. Mm-hmm. When you find the people that you vibe well with, it's really hard to kind of branch out and just be like, I don't know, who is this person? Yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah. are they going to bring to the table? And I, I don't know. And and obviously, there's there's a fun factor to it, you know, like having fun. I don't know if it's just an artist thing, but I think enjoying yourself is a big deal for artists because it's very closely tied to the artistic process, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And to your soul, it feels, and this is me getting like woo woo, but I got a bunch (laughs) of candles around me. So (laughs) like you do leave a little bit of your soul on every set. Yeah. Like for me, it's tying into something more Mm -hmm. than just a, just a, a bottle. There's Mm -hmm. not, there's more to it than just having a couple candles. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a part of your soul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the, you know, having a good vibe. That's one takeaway for a practical sense of these are the things that I would have with me, you know, the, these mm-hmm. particular things like I would make sure that this was in place or that I would bring this. What, mm-hmm. what are some of those takeaways? So I have a Mary Poppins bag. Ooh, yes, <laughs> It is where I keep everything from a hammer wrench, scissors, Uh nail clippers, every set. If you don't have a pair of nail clippers, you're not doing it right. Interesting. 
you know, I'll shout out to 3M strips because I love 3M strips. They're great for hanging those random pictures or putting in something on the wall that can't, you know, be damaging to Mm -hmm. whatever set we're on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I tend to have a dinosaur with me on set just because it's <laughs> like, like a, a focus what? like it's it's just a token of like hey we're still having fun right oh oh um, oh, oh. I'm yeah just a, like... little, <laughs> a little dinosaur That's sometimes amazing. i'll even bring like a d20 on set oh just, my gosh just to be around just yeah. to have just to give that kind of like okay yeah there's some grounding here i i guess it's like an inception thing or something i don't know um, <laughs> you have your token yeah exactly yeah. i always come to set knowing that the job has to get done, like things do have to get done, like there is a job and you need to be serious about it. Mm -hmm. But I also tend towards the once that's done or during those times when you can be goofy, be like embrace the chaos, Mm -hmm. like it is okay to be a little weird. Mm -hmm. So every once in a while, I'll just start flapping my wings (laughs) on set. Um, just, just it, it, every set, it just allows your body to like get out of the space that you're in and like all yes. that stress and yes. stuff that builds up. So yeah, yes. so you, that's what I do. Like every, you know, couple hours, I'll just start flapping my wings. That is incredible. Oh my gosh. No, well, I, this is why, this is why we want you on our next set. Seriously. But if I look over into the corner and Clifton's just, I'm just, <laughs> Like, all right, everybody stop. We're all doing yep. this. Yes. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes those sets be like that. So you yeah. have to. Well, yeah. And you're like holding on to all the, your jobs and you're like, this has to get done. And like, there's all this stress mm-hmm. about like having to organize the chaos. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you organize the chaos, what does that look like for you? Like, a lot of Ikea bags. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We did, we did art for this last, it was a, the children's game show. And, you know, we had the shelving system Yeah. that, you know, people were always putting their other crap on it. I'm just like, yep. this stinger does not belong here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. doesn't belong here. I remember another set that I was on where they had, you know, art had a whole entire room and mm-hmm. organization is key, obviously. Absolutely. But what's kind of been your your go-to system like ikea bags is it like per scene is it like like... it it usually for me per type i almost always bring my own table Ooh, okay because what ends up happening is production may have a table they might have a spot for art but usually they don't have a spot for art it's usually like oh this is where the grip is going this is where this is going these this is the green room for you know the actors i usually don't have a truck it's usually very small small budgets mm-hmm. so it's my vehicle and it is usually transported in ikea bags mm-hmm. and i either organize it according to the scene Mm -hmm. or organize it according to the space that I'm going to be occupying or what that thing is going to occupy. And then within that, if it's breakable, then it gets covered and and protected and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so totes and and Ikea bags, usually not labeled because I'm the only one usually touching it. And if Mm -hmm. there is an assistant or somebody, they're filled in when we get there. Like this goes here, that goes there. Yeah, but the table is always i always label it this is art department only like mm-hmm. you, this this is my space i claimed it i brought it like yeah. this yeah. is me and that always allows me to have the top surface mm-hmm. and also storage underneath yeah so yeah. yeah that's normally how i come into 
I'm always Mary Poppins bag, <laughs> props, and a table. You know, I mean, you said something that kind of resonated. I mean, sometimes, I, I mean, I started out in sound, and I remember that it was constantly looked over, you know? And you said something that that alluded to the fact that art department is very often looked over, both in staffing and in uh, space. And yeah. when it comes to the staffing, too, I, I never know what would be helpful or detrimental, you know, because mm -hmm. to have somebody else in your space that's just like, Bleh, you know, like, what would you say to a producer who is trying to find somebody to either be of help or is hiring art department people? Here's what you look for. Here's where you look mm -hmm. for it. You are correct. Art department ends up being overlooked a lot of times. But even then, even if it's not overlooked and I say I do get hired, a lot of times the producers or a director or someone who's doing the, you know, the above line stuff already has that friend who is an art person who likes to draw or the makeup artist that they have already like known or like they, they asked their hairstylist if they would do it for free. That can really put a monkey wrench in the actual like flow of a production. I think one of the biggest things that maybe a producer or director should really key in on is camera department usually hires their people. They hire the people underneath them. They hire mm -hmm. the the assistant camera. They hire people that they trust. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with art department. I have a list of people that I call when I need an assistant because I know and I trust that when I ask them, hey, can you set that table? They know that according to the Vanderbilt book of etiquette, this is how you dress a table yeah. that there is the same jargon are being used mm -hmm. that uh, they know not to move certain things. Mm -hmm. And it always seems to be, or very often seems to be something that a producer doesn't realize mm -hmm. when they're hiring. Yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned before, you know, like I have this table because I didn't have a truck. We had a lady on our gear and gadget segment a while back who actually had her own box truck and that kind of was like her makeshift studio where yeah. she could haul stuff like furniture and fix stuff and like I'm guessing the use of that truck is like an addendum or like is it kind of a la carte? I, I would love to have an art truck at some point that would be amazing for myself yeah. but then I'd have to make sure my partner is okay with me parking it in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where I think that's something that they still have to bill. You still bill that like there's yes. wear and tear on the vehicle and there's yes, like transportation mm -hmm. costs and whatnot. Yeah. I usually end up forgo that and I either just ask for, you know, gas receipts, like this is this is how much it costs to transport the mm -hmm. gear and all that if they're not providing a truck. All right. Speaking of billing, yeah. I am curious what somebody who is entering this field could be expected to get for pay. Is this like a day rate or a weekly rate? You know, like that kind of a thing. Again, I might be a little strange in that I, I kind of hop the the independent film mm -hmm. train. With so a lot of projects are, yeah, and, that's yeah, and then jump in commercials different. every once in a while. So yeah. like I have two worlds that I really like focus on in independent film, especially here in Portland area. It can range like when I was first starting out, like $50 was great a day. Like <laughs> oh, that okay. was like that was give <laughs> that was my like 
oh yeah, okay, cool. I'm I'm here. I'm learning all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. 150, I think, is reasonable for a PA. Some somebody that's like starting out in a, any department for me, 150 is probably your baseline. You wouldn't want to get much less than that. Mm-hmm. I still make, even as a production designer on the smaller stuff, I still make between 250 and 500 a day. Mm-hmm. So that's not that much. Mm-hmm. It does allow me, especially with those projects, like I said, I'm very picky about the vibes that I get. If I have vibes that I'm I'm not jiving with the crew, I'll probably not pick that film. But when I'm jiving well, like 250 is 300. It's a pretty decent amount yeah. or flat rates. Yes. Uh, a lot of times okay. they'll yeah. save money and I'll feel like I'm getting a big enough chunk that mm-hmm. I can decide when I work for yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for commercial. For commercial, yeah. Mm -hmm. Low end for me is 700 now. So like it's usually a day rate on set is 700 and then it either fluctuates between four to five for prep days and wrap days. That's what I was going to ask about next because like prep can be very ambiguous. Just be like, well, I'm going to be working on this one piece or like, hey, is this like conversation about it? Is that is that counting as hours or time or, you know, hourly rate always gets super. eh, eh." It can be. (laughs) Yeah, it can be a little ambiguous at times. I'm just very clear with them. Usually I'll I'll say (laughs) I'll say, okay, this is about three days worth of work. Okay. Even though I'm doing it three weeks before, Mm -hmm. I'll say I'll need three days of work pre prep Mm -hmm. or pre pro and then I'll do a two days of wrap afterwards. And that can fluctuate depending on the project and how detailed it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So how do things work on set then? Like how many people would you typically need or or like is like one person or? I would love to have at least two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> one person who acts more like the art director, someone who can actually like make sure things are getting done with the specifications that I have. And then someone that actually assists in doing that practically. Hmm. A lot of times it's either just myself Mm-hmm. or it's me and a PA. Sometimes I'm really lucky to be able to hire people who I've hired before mm-hmm. or have had experience with art department on film. And then it's really easy. It flows really well and we can move furniture and do those types of things. Yeah. yeah. Commercials, it's usually just me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are fun. And sometimes it's a lot funner when you have like two people and you're like, okay, now move that couch over there. Let's do this. My little diva comes out. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Logging that away for when I ask you to hire me for your assistant. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, what if you work on something? I mean, even for a while, say you work on like this particular piece for a while and the director doesn't necessarily like what you did and you have to put more hours into fixing stuff or like hours and materials that you weren't necessarily expecting because like an illustration you know you have like two rounds of revisions like there's that Mm -hmm. kind of a thing so yeah what is there in terms of art department pre-production is really important when it comes to set schedules so like one of the things that i've had to actually teach other people myself first and then other people Mm -hmm. is to talk to your art director or your production designer Mm -hmm. about how much time it's going to take to actually set the scene. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times what will end up happening is, oh, they gave us, you know, half an hour and it literally is redressing an entire room. Mm -hmm. That's not going to 
happen in half an hour when you have, Mm -hmm. you know, lighting and grip and electric in there trying to do their job. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving parts and you can't just automatically put, you know, a pillow on a couch and call it art. You know, it's, it just doesn't (laughs) work that way. Commercials are pretty, you know, set. They have their schedule and you know what to expect. But a lot of times the independent shows can get a little weird. It's like, hurry up. We need this on set. And it's like, well, you gave your gaffer enough time to set up lights, but you didn't put in enough time for us to actually make and do our job correctly. Mm-hmm. So there's been some, you know, some interesting conversations after the fact. <laughs> I tend to be very professional on set and then cry in the closet later. Oh, oh, no, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is probably one of the most enjoyable things as a producer, not making people cry. Um, no, yeah. It, <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's figuring out the needs of people and, and trying to make every, I mean, that sounds so horrible. It's like make everybody happy. But I, I think, I man, I get chills sometimes when I see people who are really passionate about one certain direction and I know that this other person over here has that same passion in that direction and just being like, Hey, hey, you guys, here, just <laughs> yep, yep. yep, 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 yep. I mean you're seeing that happen and they're happy. <laughs> they're happy over here. You're happy. It's just like, hey, hey, maybe Yeah, maybe. it's it feeds your soul when things are happening it's magic that's not by accident those are people intentionally making sure that what they're doing isn't interfering with the other person's job Mm -hmm. and allowing that other person to have the space to do their job there's a dp that i absolutely love they've moved to la makes Mm -hmm. me so sad but also very happy for them they make everything that i do look 300 times better Mm -hmm. because they know how much time and effort it took. And they give me that space Mm -hmm. to do what I need to do to make my job Mm -hmm. work. And then they find the best angles to film it. And that's when I say it's magic. That's Mm -hmm. when those pieces fall together. But it's about the relationship. It's not Mm -hmm. necessarily about project. Mm -hmm. It's the relationship building. If I was to say, what's the big key for all of, you know, art department is building positive creative and inspiring relationships. Yeah. There was a time in my career where I took everything so personally Mm -hmm. and I had a great production designer that taught me a hundred things to do on set. One of them was to fly like that. That (laughs) was one of my favorite things that I learned from them is just to get like they were dancing, but like find something to get out of the space that you're in. Mm -hmm. You do have to rein back your crazy to make a project work. Could you give me an example? I had a director who was very particular about what, like they didn't give me enough time to really build the set the way that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And they were just, you know, having to get stuff done and doing stuff. And gosh, they actually yelled at me on set, like in front of everyone, probably a crew of about 20 people. There were like four actors in the room. There was a 14-year-old actor sitting in the corner waiting for their turn. I was just mentioning something in order to help their set, right? So the actor did a movement that wasn't described in the previous discussion, and they moved, and there were cords under the table that you could see from the from gaffing. Like, mm-hmm. there's cords in your, in your scene. 
And so I mentioned, hey, we didn't get a chance to talk about this or see where the action of the movement is. So there's chords in there. What do you want me to do? Like, do you want me to try and fix this? And just a snap, like ego trip, just are you making this film or am I and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my stars. And so my crazy was boiling up. And all I said is, you know, I was just trying to make this film the best that it could be. Sure, it's your film. If you want chords in it, you can have chords in it. And I walked off set and I just cooled off. And it was like one of those things where I could have definitely like pushed Mm -hmm. and like, did it and like made sure that the chords weren't in there and all that kind of stuff and like really but at that point did the director really want me to do that like did they really want me to do my job i don't think they did so i was like all right well then you can have chords on your set it it would be a perfectly reasonable thing to ask because it could have been even something of the like the camera op or the dp like oh yeah the shot mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to dip that low you know yeah. like something so simple good on you for walking away number one yeah well and then that, <laughs> that was the thing is like but i had also good on you for speaking up and the, saying that i had every crew person come over and be like hey are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm fine i was doing my job you can't, you can't argue with that. I mean, like, no. that's why I'm here. Do you want me here or not? Hey, like, come on. But, but I will never work with this person again. The punishment for having stood up for myself is I didn't get an actual card at the end of the credits. So everybody else got their own card and I got lumped in with the art assistants. What? So as a production designer, I didn't even get my own name. And it wasn't even on a legible slide. It was on a slide that was really like difficult to read. I mean, that's so, like, a level of petty. Come on. It was a level of petty that I will never forgive or forget. <laughs> oh, my stars. Yeah. Oh, my stars. So anyway. that's what I mean about vibe. You <laughs> yeah. really have to find those people yes. and find the family that you love to work yeah. with. Yeah. And then, yeah, it is. It does become a family and everybody you take, you take care of your own. You take care of those that are yeah. doing a good job. And then you make magic. And speaking of magic, one of the things that I think we had talked about one time was just like the role of colors and textures and all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. And I remember. My favorite. Yes, right? I, and I don't remember who I heard it from or where it was. And I don't know if it was a wardrobe person or a production designer. But I remember her big thing was that like every well-rounded piece has like three textures. And mm-hmm. I've always looked for it now. So I'm just like, oh, hey, cloth, leather, metal, you know, like wood, this. Yeah, you know, there's always something. Hey, yeah. I see it. I see it. <laughs> see, and, there's I mean, wood, metal, velvet. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, I mean, is there some kind of, I don't know, random rule like that that you live by? I mean, the textures is one thing, but like, is there a rule that's kind of out there in the ethos that like, I don't know, a, a rising production designer would love to know? So this this probably question gets a little tricky for me because I didn't go to school for art. I took a couple art classes in college. In high school, I was homeschooled, so I only took a couple of classes through the college, beginning drawing, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. I did, however, spend every waking moment in college at the bookstore, at the library, pouring over Japanese garden designs, small home renovations, architecture books, sculpture books. I poured over every like design style book with Mm -hmm. pictures and little snippets and stuff. And so I feel like I've 
over the years, over like those 10 years and beyond, I've gleaned so much information through visual and auditory, like watching movies upon movies upon movies Mm -hmm. that what fits and what works Mm -hmm. is just now ingrained. It's just an automatic thing. I can walk through a store and be like, okay, these three things work because you're right. Texture colors. I don't have the formulas that maybe someone who went to art school or film school would would have that says, oh, well, this is what you need for composition. But again, you know your shapes. Shapes are very important. Shapes, uh, I think rule of thumb for me is if a set looks good flat, then you're probably you're probably good. Composition wise, if you look at the frame of the of a picture uh, in, in the camera, and it and it looks like a painting it looks like a good composition then then you're good if something's off figure it out mm-hmm. help the help the dp figure out why maybe it's there's too much space up here mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing you and i were evaluating a set and you said something where like the set looks flat yeah so i mean in that particular context it was not a good thing what's the difference you do have to look at things with a background, foreground, middle ground, like there are those types of terminology that you do have to like know, okay, well, we do need something up front. We do need something in the middle and we need something in the background. Now, that also has to be discussed with your director Mm because sometimes directors have their own ideas of what it should look like. And Mm -hmm. sometimes they want it to be empty and cold and and unnerving. Mm -hmm. So you have to have that discussion. And again, that goes back to have your discussions with your, you know, your director, with your director of photography, with the vibe, get on the same page. Because if you're filling a scene with too much stuff and it throws them off, then you're not doing the right job. Okay. So now we're going to ask about some of the tools of your trade. We're kind of going to go by rapid fire here. What gear or gadget is a good old reliable? Definitely a Mary Poppins bag. A Mary Mm -hmm. Poppins bag with all the things that you don't know that you're going to need. Why fingernail clippers? Fingernail clippers because it helps with any kind of wardrobe issue. So like if there's fuzz or anything like that, you can use it to cut people's beards or hair. It's super strange and weird. It also allows you to cut string or any kind of like small stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Like I said, it's one of those things I never knew I needed until I needed it. Mm -hmm. I always have just uh, a random assortment of tools, picture hanging stuff, a lot of times, like I said, I'm going to throw out 3M again, but if I had not found 3M strips, my job would be so much harder if they did not develop that technology. That's mm-hmm. Velcro. Come on. Velcro on walls, perfect thing in the whole world. Uh, build me later. So yeah, so that and then what else? I always bring something fun on set. I always bring something to to liven up the mood or just like help me f- focus again on that. Hey, this is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Ikea bags. They're the cheapest and easiest thing to use to organize stuff. And it doesn't take up space at your house. Okay. All right. Nice. How about your, your favorite new gadget that revolutionizes how you work? Huh? (laughs) It's not new, but it's new to me. Google sheets. I used to handwrite lists of props and things on the on the back of the script. And now with my new computer, I've been using Google Sheets a lot. 
a lot more now. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I feel like I've stepped up somehow. Like yeah. I said, That's I'm so from Alaska, true. so everything happens at least a decade later than it should. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, aside from the aversion to technology, you know, like you have the speakeasy in the back. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Favorite industry related new purchase. What have you just gotten that has to do with the industry? It's my drawing tablet from Wacom. Wacom. My Wacom tablet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I taught myself over COVID how to illustrate digitally. Originally, it was all I did everything by hand with, you know, pencil and paper and and whatnot. And I taught myself with the Cintiq 13 Pro yeah. from Wacom. And that is like the new gadget for me that has just uh, like I do concept art now so much easier and quicker. A story of when something went wrong. Oh, jeez. Oh, I just I told the good story that went yeah, wrong you already. Did. You um, did, you did. But I want another one and what you did to fix it or grow from it. Okay. There there was another project I was on. It was a sci-fi. It was the smallest low budget thing that you could think of. It was a short film. We had slotted a whole month of pre-production. So it was supposed to be a whole month of prepping this space. Uh, it was an empty warehouse. It's supposed to look like a laboratory. And I ended up only having two weeks. And this was when I was still working a day job and I had taken time off work and I didn't have a lot of money, but I still really wanted to do this project. And the director changed the dates and was like, you have to live with it. This is what we got. And so I rolled with it. I did everything I could to just be like, all right, cool. Let's just roll with this and worked day and night, ended up getting uh, a lot of things donated and borrowed. And and for the budget, it looked pretty great. Um, I had help with a, a couple projects, a couple of the bigger props. The director brought in another person to do some prop building. Mm -hmm. And those props that were brought to set weren't up to the same level that my stuff was. So it looked mm -hmm. very out of place. Mm. I didn't really have the ability to ask to have them redo it. And there really wasn't any time. And again, like it was one of those things that it was just like small things being said of like, oh, you haven't done your job right. Or, oh, this didn't work out. We gave you all this money. Like you didn't give me all this money and you hired somebody else without asking me if I needed that. So there was a lot. And there was supposed to be like a dead body skeleton that was like badly burnt. And I had talked to my special effects person and they had done a great job on the body and it was everything was great. And it was burnt on the wrong side. And the director flipped out and was like, this is not what we talked about. Even though in the script, it was the way I had asked the, the person to do. But when they were filming they filmed it the wrong way because they hadn't walked through the set to look at the right angles that they wanted to shoot the right way. Yeah. So like, instead of getting burnt from the back, they got burnt from the front. And yeah. so it was one of those things where the communication wasn't there. And mm -hmm. then I got blamed for having my prop person make it the wrong way, even though mm -hmm. the script said it this way. Yeah. And that was one of those times where I was like, I took it so personally. I've never been angry on set except this one time. And we had just finished shooting part of a set and I put my fist, my hand 
through a panel that I had made just out of sheer, like I had no more emotional energy and it just needed to go somewhere. And then I just burst into tears. Like Mm. it was like one of those moments where I was so much was being nitpicked and like pulled apart. And like I, I was doing, I was juggling all these things. And this one time I broke and I just started bawling, like hardcore bawling. I just sat in the rain uh, on the stoop of the studio space just crying for a good 45 minutes. Mm. I had a couple of people come out and, you know, like try and get me there. And then I walked back into set, finished the day, finished everything very professional. Like, but that was probably the lowest I've ever been on set. And so I think that's probably what helped me be professional with that other story with the other director was because it's like, look, uh, this, I can't put all of myself into these Mm -hmm. things anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I will put my soul into it, but I need to know that it's going to be protected. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot that we talk on this podcast about boundaries, you know, and I think even for artists, because we have the tendency to just give and give and give and give, you know, I can definitely relate to your story of, of having that kind of passion be picked Mm -hmm. apart. And then at the end of the day, all the work that you did gets tossed in the in the dump. Like yeah. that's the other thing. Like yeah. none of the camera department or gaff gear gets dumped in the garbage mm. after all of that work. Literally. But art department literally gets dumped in the yeah. trash at the end of the day. Literally. Literally. That's so true. Yeah. So all the work that you did for months on end then gets tossed in the garbage. I never thought of that. Yeah. So when you have water bottles on set, it's, it's hard. You get like visceral reactions because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. wow. it's like, you're treating my space as garbage, even though I know at the end of the day, it's actually going to get trashed. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> like I, what questions should I have asked you? Why? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why? 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 would I put myself through physical, emotional, mental, sometimes spiritual stress? Why would someone want to do that? And to be honest, I have that question often for myself sometimes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, art is life. Mm -hmm. Some of my most memorable moments is watching everything come together, being on the monitor and seeing my work and the work of a dozen other people create an emotional visceral reaction Mm -hmm. that once everybody like comes out of and you hear the word cut and you come out of it and everyone's like cheering and like excited because they know they've made something good. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it worth it. So good. <laughs> How do people find you or follow your work? Mostly on Instagram um, mm-hmm. at Cliff Chandler with one F, Cliff Chandler World Creator. Mm-hmm. I have a website, www.cliftonchandler.com. It's not updated very often. So <laughs> there's some old stuff on there. I don't know if this is a time to like shout out to my next project. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this on, is your shameless plug up. Okay, yeah. cool. So I 
Speaking of illustration work, I did work for this wonderful, lovely, if you can see it, Dude. it's a huge map of the world, nice. but I'm into Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I've been doing some work for a lovely man, Joey O'Day uh -huh. over at Dweeb Quest, which uh -huh. you can find them on YouTube channel Dweeb Quest. And they're going to be rolling out a Kickstarter sometime this summer with all of my art and concept art in it for their campaign book. Yes, so. because the thing that we did not touch on was the yeah. world creation. And I remember yeah. the last time, like we, like we got together on a second set and I remember you were just like, oh yeah, by the way, yeah, I created a whole entire written alphabet and mm -hmm. language yeah. and maps. Yeah. And I was like, get out. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> this is the second time I've done that. So I, I did that for a film and this is another time I've done for D&D campaign book. So love it. Yeah, this has been so cool. I man, I, I, I can't wait to get together. Number one, yeah. it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't wait to assist for you because <clears throat> <laughs> that will also happen. Throw that hat out there. Right there. <laughs> But I like you. your vibes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your insight, for opening up and sharing what you can to all of our listeners out there. I know anybody who's wanting to get into art direction or uh, production design will find this extremely helpful. Well, I'm I was happy to be here. It's definitely a tough job. Someone has to do it. You know, loving the, the magic that we can create together. That's you know, that's the reasons why. If you enjoyed this interview, follow us right here and on Instagram, ask us questions, and check out more episodes at thepracticalfilmmaker.com. Be well and God bless. We'll see you next time on The Practical Filmmaker.